morning or whatever time it is that you're watching this online. Uh, Today we're continuing with our series from the Gospel of John and the concluding part of chapter 2 and significantly into chapter 3. Just to set the scene, I want to read just a portion of what we're considering today. It's from John chapter 2 and verses uh, 23 through to chapter 3 and verse 2. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Now there was a Pharisee, a a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Our theme for today is actually centred around that concept of Nicodemus calling Jesus Rabbi. Notice that this takes place in Jerusalem and it's probably fairly early in Jesus' life as indicated by the early stage in the Gospel of John. If we're going to place it perhaps a little more specifically than that. It's just after Jesus had chosen and commissioned his disciples and probably just after the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it. So the whole idea of teaching would have been not only foremost in Nicodemus's mind, but it was actually a key theme of Jesus' ministry uh, at that time. Nicodemus is described as a, as a ruler. Uh, he, he actually was an incredibly influential person in that um, Judean society. It's a bit difficult to understand with the different culture and uh, parameters of a Jewish society but my take on it is uh, he was actually a religious ruler and authority as a Pharisee but he was also a member of the Sanhedrin which was an incredibly prestigious and influential group that seems to be um, a combination of parliament and legal system. So he was basically a member of the Supreme Court. He was a member of the um, National Parliament and he was, as was true in the whole of society, um, he was a religious person because the major teachers, the rabbis, were mostly, almost exclusively, religious teachers. Incidentally, we also um, think that he probably was quite rich um, because he, he was cited in 
two further instances in the Gospels. One was when, as a member of the council, the Sanhedrin, he uh, spoke up for Jesus when they were plotting to kill him and said something like, don't we at least allow a person to present his case before we condemn him? So he was, he was speaking up for Jesus. But then we find that uh, he brought embalm, embalming substances and the description we have is that it was a significant amount and the substances were incredibly expensive. So he was a very uh, affluent person and he was a, a fellow traveller. There was something about Jesus that almost infatuated him. So he came and he said, Rabbi, which was an acknowledgement on his part. He recognised that because Jesus had not only been teaching but he'd been doing miracles that somehow or another God was with, with him. He came at night and that's probably because he didn't want many people to know that he was seeking Jesus out. It may also have been that he would have a better chance at night to have a long, significant, depth discussion with Jesus because there may have been uh, less hecticness about the life and ministry of Jesus. So an incredibly influential person comes to Jesus. Mostly we find Jesus with the people like you and me who are the average or the ordinary, and I don't mean in any way to put us down in saying that, but Nicodemus was a significant person. Uh, he acknowledges Jesus as a teacher. And teachers, as I've already indicated in that society, particularly religious teachers, were almost at the top of the tree in terms of the regard. I would love that to be true in Australia today. I want to give a, a shout out to teachers in our society. An incredibly important vocation, a very difficult, a very draining vocation. But teachers have this magnificent both responsibility, privilege and opportunity of shaping uh, younger lives. And, and it's, it's sometimes incredibly difficult and, as I mentioned, very draining. So a shout out to teachers and to the teachers and the preschool people from Coast Community Church as well. While we're actually recognising teaching, I, I believe and I hope, I hope you affirm that uh, we're incredibly privileged to have a teaching team in our ministry team of the highest calibre. I, I just love the teaching that we get from week to week by the members of our team and, and, and we need to really acknowledge and shout out thank you for that. Biblical teaching with very good practical application. One of the things that was recognised about Jesus' teaching was that it was different from the teaching of the Pharisees and, and the religious teachers. And it's expressed as having 
authority. Let me read to you from two different versions, uh, a, a two-verse passage from Matthew 7, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And then from the message, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They'd never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their, religious te- their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Talking about the best teaching we've ever heard, it's only in recent years that I've reflected on my own schooling and recognised that recognised the importance of my teachers and that I had a teacher in primary school from year four through to year six. So for three consecutive years, I had the same teacher. He was pretty tough and. Uh, I, I'd felt the strap on quite a few occasions, so there's a little bit of um, that feeling as I reminisce. But now I've come to recognise he was a brilliant teacher. We lived in an outer suburban area, a very working class area of, of Melbourne. There were very few um, of my fellow students who were from homes that could be considered to be affluent or even people from a professional background. But several of my colleagues actually went on to have very significant professions. And one of my colleagues topped two of the most significant in terms of numbers taking the subject for a HSC or matriculation. So it's only in retrospect that I think, wow, how important was that teaching from Mr. Burrell? Jesus' teaching was different in that it had authority. Now, what does that mean? And I think initially I thought that Peterson in the message might have gone a little bit beyond any kind of literal translation where he talks about um, uh, it was apparent that he was living, living everything he was saying as a way of understanding it had authority. But then if we think about the context of this, we recognise, as I mentioned earlier, that this probably came very soon after the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus sums up his teachings in Matthew 5 through to 7 in a passage towards the end of chapter 7 where he he tries to emphasise how important these teachings are. And I read from um, Matthew 7 and verses 24 and 25. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standards of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, 
a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. So Jesus was saying the importance of these teachings are that actually if you carry them out, then they will be like a rock in a storm. And Karen mentioned that this COVID-19 season is, is a storm for many, many people today. So it may be that we need to really go down deeply into what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount and at other times that allowed even a person like Nicodemus to um, acknowledge him as, as rabbi. So I, I think it was actually not too much away from a literal understanding of the text when Peterson says that um, it's actually the authority that comes from living what you teach, of actually putting into practice what you're telling other people about and that the authority for an effective teacher comes as much as anything from the life that the teacher leads. I, in thinking about this really important issue, I was caused to remember about four and a half years ago, the uh, graduating class of um, uh, what was then the Churches of Christ in New South Wales Theological College, and it was located at Woolwich, um, the graduating class met for a reunion for those of us who were still alive and uh, able to come. And it was the 50th anniversary of our graduation. And uh, quite spontaneously during the afternoon, somebody said, why don't each one of us share the most significant thing for us that came in and through the four years of full-time training, the most significant. Wow. As I said, it was spontaneous. I can't remember who went first and I can't remember where I was in the, in the order of the five people who were present, several with our spouses. Um, but uh, of the five people... Three people said the one thing and it was something like A.W. Stevenson, the person who was the principal of the college. Now we had, we had sat in, participated in literally thousands of lectures and many of those lectures were not given by Mr. Stevenson. There have been very significant church experiences or whatever, but spontaneously three of us said a person. You can understand why Jesus said, I am the truth. In other words, who I am is the most powerful truth that you will ever hear. And therefore, I believe it's, it's appropriate that we recognise that a part of Jesus' authority actually was that he lived 
what he taught. The other really significant part of his authority is expressed in John 7 and verse 16. And Jesus, in answer to a challenge, said, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. In other words, the authority of Jesus um, was not, and uh, Peter says in another place, the quibbling and quoting of the Pharisees. It was not just about quoting other documents or whatever. It was about expressing the truth from the Creator and the Saviour of the world about what real life is about and how to live life to the full. There's also a recognition within the scriptural teaching about the whole idea of being a teacher and Jesus was called teacher by um, quite a number of people and often by his disciples. But in James, and we recognise James as a significant leader in the early church and, and a very, very wise person, he gives a warning to those who are teachers when he says in James 3 and verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. In other words, there's a, there's a real responsibility. And who of us isn't a teacher? I'd actually like to broaden out any narrow view that you or I might have of who is a teacher. A teacher is anybody who is able to impart something of value, knowledge, and that can be through modelling as well to another person so that all of us as parents are teachers. Anybody who has any influence in any situation is a teacher. So actually Jesus is saying to us, just ensure that through the power of the Holy Spirit there is the opportunity for us to live what we are actually trying to encourage other people to accept. But we need to come uh, urgently and importantly to... So what is the essence of that teaching? And I think it's, it's really good that we have this particular circumstance with Nicodemus because although I'm not going to even read um, most of what uh, is summarised as possibly a fairly long discussion, uh, I'm going to summarise what the two key themes of Jesus and Nicodemus' discussion were. And, and Jesus jumped right in and took the discussion, if we have a, um, even if we have a, a summary, he probably took the discussion to a level that Nicodemus was not quite ready for at that time. Um, Jesus took the discussion from a everyday physical kind of consideration of what was true to a spiritual understanding of truth. You may remember the idea of Jesus introduced the idea of being born again or another way of translating that is being born from above and in the Jewish tradition, that are very, very deep, significant. 
to be born from above was to have in some way or ways the nature of God imparted to us as a gift so that we spiritually through the spirit of God we become different people. It was so well accepted and believed that a person could be born again or born from above that the Jewish teachers indicated that when a person who was not a Jew by um, birth, a Gentile, accepted the Jewish religion, they were so considered to be a different person or a new person or having been born again that they could marry their own mother. Now, that's pretty radical. I don't know of anything like that um, today. But that was the idea that there was this power of God, even in the Jewish tradition through the Spirit, to change us from the inside and allow us to be different people. And you know that's, that's one of the central truths of Christianity, that Jesus jumped straight into and emphasised for Nicodemus. The second summary that I would make of the discussion um, comes towards the end, if we understand the way it's expressed to be sequential. And it, it involves um, probably the best known and best loved teaching of Jesus ever. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus was in this discussion with Nicodemus emphasising the spiritual reality as um, not disconnected from but deeper than the physical or the intellectual reality and a deep, deep, life-changing reality. But he was saying the two key forces, the two key capacities to allow us to be different people are the love of God and the grace of God. For God so loved the world. And you know that unconditional love that allows us to be secure in who we are, to hold our heads up is a crucial, not only teaching, but can become a reality in your life and mine. But also, out of that love comes grace, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life eternal. So that you and I, we are, although I don't believe that we're, bad people or rotters or whatever, we fall short every day of our lives and there is the opportunity to start again. There's the opportunity for grace. So the love and grace of God as absolutely key aspects of the good news that we can be free through the forgiveness of the cross were actually key themes of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. We don't actually know 
whether Nicodemus ever became an overt follower of Jesus. I've indicated the two times where he was prepared to either argue something that he thought was a fairness issue or actually contribute at Jesus' death in a significant way to the embalming of the body. We know that one of the other people who was surrounding the cross at the time when Jesus died and was laid in the tomb was a lady or a woman called Mary Magdalene. And you know that in John chapter 20, she kept vigil at the tomb. She was with some other women while Jesus was on the cross, just standing a little way away. But she was back at the tomb, as distinct from the disciples who were still hiding away. And you know she had uh, an encounter with a person whom she first mistook to be the gardener. And then Jesus called her by name, Mary. And when he called her by name, she recognised him. And spontaneously, she called him Rabboni. Rabboni is actually even a more respectful, a more highly accepted, significant role within the Hebrew society than rabbi itself. A teacher was well respected, but a rabboni was actually somebody not only to be respected, but to be worshipped. So perhaps in contradistinction to Nicodemus, Mary Magdalene recognised him not only as a teacher but as a person to be followed, as a person to be worshipped passionately because, as the scripture tells us, he had cast seven demons out of her and therefore she was incredibly grateful to him. And we know from other scripture that Jesus on one occasion when there was a woman who had anointed him with very expensive oil and the disciples were um, challenging whether that was a good use of um, something that was so expensive, he basically said, those who have been forgiven a lot are going to be very, very grateful. Can I suggest to you that you and I should be incredibly grateful? I'm not sure that I can fully accept this whole idea of some people being worse sinners than others in the sense of we all need the help of forgiveness. We all need to be able to start again. We all know that we need help. And actually there's not, except for the mortal sin, which is just refusing to accept Jesus as the Son of God, except for that there's no particular classification of sin. I believe we all 
could call him Rabboni. We all could fall at his feet. We all could worship him because without that, we can't lift our heads up from day to day. Without that forgiveness, we wouldn't be able to have any significant ongoing relationship, not only with God, but even with those around us because we need that opportunity to start again. Without that hope, without that opportunity, we couldn't look to the future with any sense that it's going to be okay. Through the love and grace of God and him working everything together for good, whatever the circumstances, including COVID, and I don't say this easily or lightly, including COVID, there are the resources for us to get through this with faith intact and actually potentially to be prodded to go deeper. Rabboni. My prayer for myself and for you, no matter where you are with God, no matter what you see as truth, my prayer would be that because Jesus is the one who gives us life, Words to build a life on because there is the love and grace of God to allow us to start again and to be secure in that love. We should fall before God today, Rabboni, worshipping him. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for that, that we can today, wherever we are, whatever our situation, whatever our understanding of truth to be, that we can see Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. Somebody who lived lovingly and graciously. A person who was able to have authority, not only because of his great deeds of compassion and miracle, but also a person who was able to live what he taught. I thank you for the teachers. I thank you for our teachers. But I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that each one of us have to recognise not only your teachings, but that we can fall at your feet and worship you as Lord and Master. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.